Hey everyone, just a quick one before I get into this episode. This episode is quite um, a varied one. I bring up a lot of different points surrounding different topics. Um, it doesn't really have too much of a fixed structure. I just kind of go over a discussion I had with one of my mates. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit more chaotic, I would say. Um, it's not as planned as my episodes usually are. But yeah, I uh, hope you guys still enjoy it and I'll speak to you soon. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of Blockchain and Beyond. As always, I'm your host, Frazan. On today's episode, I'm going to be having a bit of a discussion about Bitcoin, blockchain, and its impact on the environment. And this really stems from uh, someone who reached out to me, one of uh, my friends. They reached out to me and wanted to ask me some questions about uh, blockchain, um, which brought Bitcoin into the conversation, but mostly surrounding the environment and the environmental impact. So today what I'll be doing is I'll be going through some of the queries and I'll be also answering them. Um, I've already responded to them in in, uh, in a personal message, so um, I'm not leaving them behind. Um, but this, I think this would be a good way to kind of document kind of what we've discussed um, and also put some ideas out there which might help convince other people um, of my point of view or at least show them another another perspective. So the initial question, which was actually asked, can be paraphrased to what is it about cryptocurrency, blockchain, NFTs that make it worth the environmental sacrifice, especially in a time of such uncertainty surrounding global warming and climate change? How can you slash the industry as a whole justify the impact or the damage done to the environment? So I understood this question as kind of uh, pointing a finger at Bitcoin and Ethereum as these are the two uh, two biggest ones we see in headlines regarding energy consumption and environmental impact. So my answer was uh, as follows. So I, I agree where they're coming from. There are some blockchains which end up enabling cryptocurrencies and NFTs that consume a large amount of electricity. For example, Bitcoin and Ethereum are the largest sources of this with Bitcoin using more electricity than Norway. So, so here I agree with the problem statement that there is a large electricity consumption uh, from these networks. However, I followed up with a piece of research done by, uh, I believe it was either Oxford or Cambridge, and they found that in every region, so in the US, Europe, Americas, um, Asia and Africa, that all of the crypto miners are using at least 60% hydroelectric power. Um, And another power study showed that hydroelectric only accounts for 7.3% of the US's total electricity generation. So if anything, crypto miners are doing potentially more than other industries in u- in using renewable energies. Obviously, this only accounts for hydroelectric power. It doesn't look at solar or geothermal or even wind power. I then go on to mention that there are also alternate blockchains. So in this example, I use Polkadot. Uh, I use Polkadot because this was one of the ones that I had researched about. Um, and was able to um, find these sources of information relatively quickly. Um, so I mentioned that it uses a different source of a different mechanism to get everyone to agree on the state of the blockchain. And this is the proof of stake consensus algorithm. And this is what leads it to have lower energy consumption. And one piece of research said that Polkadot's entire network power consumption is equal to that of eight average US households all the same as a one five-star hotel. Um, And I kind of ended this point with that if there were no new use cases to come from Polkadot for the next 10 or 20 years, to me, the the electricity consumption 
done by the Polkadot network is quite small and a reasonable cost for research and experimentation of new technology. At this point, I also brought up a, a project called Corust. Um, so they are buying land and planting trees where each tree will be represented by an NFT. So this NFT will generate carbon credits, which is something that governments also issue and sell and will represent the carbon offset of that particular tree. And some newer blockchains such as Elysium will be using some of their transaction fees to purchase these NFTs with to offset the carbon consumption of their blockchain. So there are steps being taken forward to actually um, minimize the impact of um, minimize the impact on the environment. And then they, they responded back to me and the conversation moved slightly to focus on Bitcoin and Ethereum in terms of what benefits do they provide aside from being, you know, just money. So with Bitcoin and Ethereum or cryptos in general, no one can actually stop me paying or supporting anyone as all the, the miners who are verifying these transactions only care that I have enough to send. So I also brought up a uh, example. So in Canada, Justin Trudeau froze the bank accounts of people who supported the truckers protest, even if the donation was done before the protest became a quote unquote problem. If I had donated using Bitcoin to a Bitcoin address, they couldn't stop me if they wanted to. Another example I've brought up in recent times is that Ukraine has started to accept donations in crypto. So this could be in lack of response from the West, um, or it could be due to other reasons. But I, as an individual, could support them knowing that my money is going directly to them, rather than through other groups where funds can be obscurified. And Ukraine are using this crypto which has been donated to purchase rations and also defense equipment. We've also seen similar cases in Burma, um, where the people's government is using crypto to undermine the forced military coup or government which is currently in place. And another bit more, almost of a niche example I brought up is that if I wanted to move to another country, I could store all of my funds in Bitcoin or any other crypto and quite easily take it with me to any other country where I could then uh, use, for example, crypto ATMs to cash out my crypto and use that as money in this other country. Whereas if I was to use my credit card, I may face problems such as uh, my bank may block the transaction because it's from a different country and they'll have security measures in place to also prevent this. And if anything, it can just cause a bit of an inconvenience, whereas crypto offers another avenue for me to, you know, go on holiday to another country, withdraw some funds through, you know, a crypto ATM and also enjoy myself um, without having to be afraid of that my account will be blocked or my transaction will fail um, no matter where I am. And then after this, the conversation slightly changed. Um, so I brought up the point of self-sovereignty. So it's it's the other word that I would use instead of freedom. So with crypto, uh, I can own the said asset and no one can influence it. And yes, I also own the physical cash that's in my wallet. But if I left it there, the government at some point will probably devalue my currency, um, whether that's through quantitative easing or through other measures. However, with something like Bitcoin, it's not possible to just make more or to inflate away uh, my holdings. So this was the idea behind the gold standard of currency back in the 1900s, where your notes can be exchanged for literal gold and no one could um, could could stop that. But with Bitcoin, it's potentially a re-emergence of it 
but now everything would be digitally and instantly verifiable. Um, so the benefit of crypto being here that it can be stable in the sense that no one, your holdings will remain the exact same over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Whereas in traditional fiat currencies that we currently use, such as the pound or the dollar, my holdings will lose value due to inflation every year by default by just me holding said said uh, currency. But I also had to, at this point, bring the conversation back to the environment. Um, and I think it comes down to personal priorities. And I'm not trying to use this as a cop out, but I'll try to use an analogy. So cars contribute to global warming quite a lot. And most households have cars. Uh, cars are deemed useful or necessary to most and it makes it easy to get around it saves time etc some people will not have a car to not contribute to towards global warming or other reasons perhaps it's too expensive they just don't want a car or there's enough public transport around and with cars electric vehicles will use more renewable sources of power the question is is the push for renewable sources of energy a car industry cause or a global environmental cause? I would personally say it's an environmental issue, which is leading to developments in renewable technologies, which impacts in electric vehicles. Similarly, I will apply the same logic to crypto and blockchain. It consumes a lot of electric, a majority of which is from renewables. And currently to most, it is deemed unnecessary, which may change over time. And to some, it is deemed necessary um, or quite useful, self-sovereignty being a potential reason why. And that is a reason used to justify the environmental impact. And then we can also apply the same question as above. Is the push for renewable sources a crypto industry issue or is it an environmental issue? If um, renewable energies were to become more cheaper and more available, would that not in turn impact all of the crypto uh, industry and also the car industry to use these renewable energies um, and then kind of a bit more of a wider point who is responsible for saving the planet is it us as individuals personally i don't have a car i will walk or use public transport or is it governments and corporations should they have stricter regulations on emissions um, should traditional oil companies have more restrictions imposed on them to drive them away from uh, oil and towards renewable uh, energies i don't know that's a probably a, a lot larger discussion to be had um, and then as a final point i mentioned that the price of solar panels or solar power is actually been de decreasing quite a lot so in 2010 the price of uh, the solar voltaic modules was approximately two dollars per watt of energy produced however in 2019 that had fallen to only 40 cents per watt um so that has fallen, you know, by a factor of five, which means that, you know, this technology is becoming much cheaper, much more available. And we will probably probably see uh, increasing trends in, in the near future. And yeah, I think that covers everything I wanted to. Um, this conversation I had with, with my friend was actually quite insightful. Um, I It actually forced me to, to learn a lot more and research my points before mentioning them, because these were points that I knew, but I hadn't done too much research into them. So it's it's given me I've learned a lot uh, by becoming more confident in the reasons why I'm you know supporting crypto and blockchain technology, but it's also made me more aware of the wider industries such as renewable energies, 
um, to know that crypto is using 60% of their energy comes from renewables. I think that's that's amazing. Um, obviously, there's there's still work to be done, but I think it's, you know, a, a step in the right direction. Um, yeah, as always, if anyone wants to carry on this discussion or has any questions, feel free to just drop me a message on any of my social media platforms. Um, it'll be it'll be good to, to speak to you and get other, other points of view as well. Um, but yeah, until next time, goodbye.